Welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, Editor-in-Chief of EHS Daily Advisor. This week, I talked to Jill James, Chief Safety Officer of HSI, about dealing with generational differences in the workplace. And now, on to the interview. I'm joined today by Jill James, Chief Safety Officer at HSI. How's it going, Jill? Hey, Jay. Thanks for having me today. It's going well. It's going well. I'm, I'm in Minnesota, and we are getting ready to face a storm that rivals the storm that took Ooh. down the Metrodome in Minneapolis. If anybody remembers wow. the Metrodome. I remember that. The, yeah, right? So we're looking at like 20 inches of snow. Oh, <laughs> yeah. we're. Uh, I'm in uh, the Boston area, and we got a little, we got some flurries this morning, and it's already all gone. So we haven't had Lucky. much snow all winter. It's been, I think we've had a total of about six inches of snow all winter. So. Like, you know what, you've deserved it because you guys have really gotten a lot in the last number of years. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> it, it depends on which year you're talking about. Some years are harder than others. Yeah. But mm-hmm. um, but today I wanted to talk to you about um, sort of wor- dealing with multiple generations of workers and how to, you know, sort of, you know, uh, train them in safety and sort of, you know, get everybody to, to work together the best way. But before we get into that, I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about yourself uh, and your podcast. Sure, absolutely. So I, um, gosh, this year, 2023 makes it my 29th year as a um, environmental health and safety professional. Can't even believe that. So I guess I've seen I've seen a few generations right. in the workplace. Yeah, yeah right. And uh, I've spent my last nine years of my career with HSI, where I'm the chief safety officer right now. And if people aren't familiar with HSI, we help grow safer and smarter workplaces. And you asked about my podcast. Yes. Yes. So I am the host of the Accidental Safety Pro podcast. And that podcast will turn five in May, which is just unbelievable. And I have a great opportunity. Thank you. I have the great opportunity to speak with health and safety professionals and people ancillary to our work um, from across the globe and hear their stories about how they got their starts, what their winding path was into into the work and um, the great successes they've had. So we just released episode 101 um, this week. Nice. Well, congrats on all of that. And Thank you. let's talk about uh, generational differences. What do you sort of see it? You know, when you're when you're dealing with a workplace that has multiple generations of workers, as most of them do, uh, you know, what's the best way to kind of deal with those folks in terms of you know creating unity in the workplace? Because obviously, you know, your your baby boomers, at least on the face of it, don't have a lot you know in common with you know a Gen Z who's you know just out of school or you know in their mm-hmm. early twenties. So how do you kind of get those folks to connect? Uh, you know, from a safety standpoint. Yeah, right. So um, if this subject sounds new to anyone who's listening, maybe we should just set the set the stage with who the generations are who are in the workplace right now. Um, So the baby boomers, like you just mentioned, Jay, they are a really big group and they really encompass a large age range right now. And sometimes they're even divided into two sections like boomer one and boomer two. And so the boomer ones are considered people who are ages 69 to 77 right now. And so we do have, we do have some of those in the workplace right now. And boomer twos are 59 to 68. 
And then coming right after the boomers are the Gen Xers, of which I am a part. Me too. And okay. Mm -hmm. oh, so <laughs> we are ages 43 to 58. And then the millennials that people like to talk about so much are ages 27 to 42 right now. And then Gen Z that you just mentioned are ages 11 to 26. And so size wise, you know, everybody thinks about the boomers as being the biggest, you know, kind of they had that, that was sort of what they're known for, the biggest generation, the boom, except that's not true. Mm. Um, the, the millennial generation actually outsizes the baby boom generation. They're a little bit bigger. And then you and I as Gen Xers, we're tiny. We're the smallest cohort when we're often referred to as the sandwich generation because we're sandwiched between the boomers and the millennials. And then the Gen Z is just a little bit bigger than you and I as, as Gen Xers. Um, and the interesting thing about the boomers is by 2030, they're basically will all be of retirement age. That doesn't mean they'll all be retired because right. people seem to be hanging on, uh, you know, working longer now just because, you know, for financial reasons. But um, but that, that is interesting that they're kind of, you know, really aging out. Yeah, they, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And when we talk about generational differences in the in the workplace and the things that that we in the United States talk about, um, you know, it's it's unique to the generational personality, like as as it's often called, um, the the personality that makes up each of our generations has to do with the forces at play during the time that we were growing up, the mm -hmm. things that we experienced that shaped the personality of our generation, and of course that's unique as you and I are speaking right now to the United States and it doesn't take into account you know the lived experience of someone who was born and raised um, not in the United States right so kind of level setting level setting for us um, for for that um, but you had asked me about um, creating unity mm -hmm. and how to how to create unity in in uh, in the workforce and you know I think uh, you know, while I'm not an expert on this subject by any means, I like to read about it. Um, I think that learning about other people's lived experience and being curious is important for all of us, and especially at work, uh, to be able to find that common ground and to be able to maybe share about, you know, what 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 were what were the forces at play? What was it like for you? you know, when, when you were growing up and how did that shape how you come to work every day, you know, and what you value and what your value systems are and maybe what things are curious um, for you. And, I, you know, perhaps having um, groups of different generations being able to talk with one another or facilitate conversations about that might be able to um, be a way that um, at, in work, people can find some of that commonality and common ground and get curious and kind of understand like, oh, that's, oh, so you're a baby boomer. And, you know, the way that, that you were wired um, has a lot to do with, um, you know, 
the military actually. Right. You know, a lot of baby boomers bosses, the traditionalists came out of the military where things were really structured and they're hierarchical and there was a specific way and path to do things. And if you're a younger generation if, and feel like, hey, I can just go talk right to the top boss whenever I want to. And a <laughs> baby boomer is like, what the heck? You know, there's a process for that. We just don't do that. That's like a rude thing to do. And being able to talk about why is that different? You know, why is that different? you know and why do you think you know you can do it one way and another thinks they can do it another way and what are those kind of forces at play when you're growing up that made you believe the way that you do and act the way that you do um, in in the workplace um, and another thing that uh, it certainly seems uh, more uh, fitting with the younger generations is the, is sort of the you know the theme of psychological safety you know I think like you know, yes. older generations kind of just, you know, were of this, you know, sort of grit, grit your teeth and, and bear it and just, you know, yeah. get through it, you know, and now I, I think there's, you know, there's a much a bigger emphasis and, you know, for the positive um, to focus on psychological safety and, you know, do you sure. feel safe on the job? Um, for sure. And, and it's a, a big part of making the workplace safer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure, Jay. And I think that um, so much of that especially for the millennial generation and for Gen Z, um, comes from, again, the forces at play when they were growing up, right? So the millennials were the first generation where they might see the faces of missing kids on milk boxes, hmm. you know? And then that, that has grown and changed as we've experienced and seen, especially in schools when they were kids, across all the generations, school shootings um, and violence. And so, you know, when there are polls taken about the top concerns for millennials and Gen Zers, they are citing their personal safety as number one. And it's because of what they experienced directly or people they know experienced. And so psychological safety and knowing like when I show up in a place as a human being, is, is my body safe here, you know? Right. And that's a different view than previous generations because we didn't have that experience and definitely i think just the fact that you know information is instantaneous now you know you find out about something immediately right. through social media or 24-hour news networks or whatever uh and it you know every kind of incident gets you know sort of blown up even larger just because you know it's right in your face whereas you know probably when the baby boomers were coming out, you had to wait until the evening news or the, right. the, the newspaper right. came out the next day to find out about something. So right. it's a very different kind of uh, way to become aware of things. And yeah, and you, you know, doom scrolling, like you can, you know, you can really mm -hmm. follow in this stuff, especially the last couple of years when people were kind of stuck at home and that's all they, you know, mm -hmm. all they mm -hmm. were hearing about was how, you know, we've got this pandemic going on and, you know, yeah. We're on the brink yeah. of this and that and the other thing. So it's, you know, it can be pretty, you know, for, certainly from a psychological standpoint, there's a lot to, you know, a lot to handle uh, for young yeah, kids. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, those of us who are a little bit older and have a little more lived experience, we have, some of us, not all of us, mm -hmm. have, have built in resilience. Yep. That that maybe some of the younger generations just simply haven't had the oppor 
opportunity to build yet. I think about, um, I have a child who's a Gen Zer, um, will soon be turning 21. And Me too. Uh, the, <laughs> really, <laughs> and so curious to find out if you've had this conversation with, with yours. So my child and I were talking about, you know, the, the pandemic itself and how it impacted each of us differently. So you and I, it sounds like Jay both had graduating seniors of class yep. of 2020 and yep. kids that went to college in 2021. And that is a piece that is definitely coloring their generation. Absolutely. For sure. And one of the things my child said was he had felt that there was no hope, that there was no hope for him, for his generation, that life as he knew it was going to be either A, wiped out or completely different than all of the people that had raised him told him that life could be like. Like, so he feared that this was basically the end of time. And yeah. I didn't think about it that way because I knew it was bad. I knew it, we hadn't experienced it before, but I never thought of it as end of days. Right. Yeah. And that's, yeah. I, I think that kind of goes with the doom scrolling too. You yeah. know, when you, when you hear just like, you know, all these kind of scary messages, uh, you know, they can, they can accumulate. So, it, you know, they can sort of, uh, I can see how somebody would have that, you know, that point of view, especially if that's, you know, if it's literally like in their face and they haven't experienced anything like that. Mm -hmm. Not that we, you know, none of us have experienced a pandemic before unless we were a hundred years old. So, right. Um, right. But, but we've experienced a few things to know yeah, that, okay, yeah. maybe this, this is, this is, this is probably survivable. Whereas right. youngest generation is like, I don't, you know, I don't have any, I, I have no wiring for this. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. My daughter didn't, you know, she didn't uh, express that to me, but I could see how, you know, certainly it was a huge impact on, you know, both my, my kids lives just in terms of things missing out, you know, missing out on things and, you know, uncertainty and all that kind of stuff. So. Right. Right. And so as EHS professionals, I guess the question is how can we help facilitate that shared knowledge, right? You know, an understanding um, between the groups of people um, in, in in the workplace, yeah. And when really looking at, you know, what is your sphere of influence as an EHS professional, and and how can you leverage some of this generational knowledge um, as an as an advocate in your role in EHS? Um, absolutely, and you know, and, and definitely. Uh the generations learn, have different ways of learning. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I think, you know, it wasn't unusual uh, traditionally to have, you know, in services that were, you know, many hours long and, you know, you kind of just sort of tried to soak it all in, uh, you know, over four or five hours and, and then that would be it for a while. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, kids now, nowadays don't learn that way. Like they, you know, I think it's been proven that it's more effective to kind of, you know, have sort of multiple ways of delivering information, you know, shorter duration, but, you know, more often to keep it fresh in, in their, you know, in their minds. Um, mm -hmm. Is that what you're hearing? Y yes. And, you know, when we think about, when we think about the generations and how they learn differently, my gosh, um, you know, Jay, you and I just in school, when we were kids, we were sitting 
at individual desks, yeah. right? Yeah. And the millennial generation and Gen Z were often learning at round tables mm -hmm. and they were sitting together and they were collaborating, right? And, and so while people like to say, oh, their heads are in their phones all the time, well, you know, a, a lot of us can say that's true regardless of generation. <laughs> yeah. But those two generations in particular are excellent collaborators because yeah. it's how they were wired since they were kids versus our generation, Gen X. We're like, you know, we're the latchkey kids. We're the kids I, who were like, you know, we didn't, we don't trust anybody because just, we saw all the, all of our best icons fall from grace in one way or another. We're like, just let me do it on my own. Exactly. You know? yeah. And, and so, you know, when it comes to training and really thinking about, about that, uh, our younger generations in particular are interested in their career path and knowing where they're going, knowing where they fit into an organization. And they are the generation that um, might be called, you know, like the, the upgrade cycle. So if you think just about, you know, smartphones in general, you know, they're always being upgraded. We're getting mm -hmm. an upgrade. We're yep. getting an upgrade. What's the next best camera? What's the next best thing? And, and that's wired into their generation. And so on an educational level, they're looking for that as well. And employers need to be paying attention to that, that they're looking for their upgrade. Like, what are you going to teach me next? Because this is important to my career path, my profession. I want to be, I want to be moving. I want to be progressing. I want to know where I'm going. I'm not waiting around. And I expect that it's going to happen because it's been happening even with the technology in my pocket since I was a kid. Right. There's, you know, you don't see a lot of people, you know, in the younger generations that say, oh, I'm going to stay at this company for 20 years and get my, you right. know, and get my uh, pension and because there is no pension, but, uh, right. you know, and retire here. You know, I mean, people are, are you know, they're constantly looking yeah. for something better uh, for to improve their lives and to, you know, to progress in their career and, and all that good stuff. So, right. Um, right. Those are, those are conversations that we have at HSI all the time with upskilling employees and being paying, you know, paying attention to that and employers that are investing in upskilling their employees for that very, for that very reason. And so you were talking about like different ways to train employees. And I think it's, you know, I think a big piece of it is looking at the different learning modalities that are available to employers and applying and applying them accordingly, you know, and it might be bi-generational, um, you know, when it comes to maybe it's an online learning modality that's interactive, mm -hmm. or maybe it's something that's a video, or maybe it's something that's blended learning with an opportunity for for employees to be able to ask questions and get feedback in real time. And sometimes it, you know, it's important that it be in person. So I don't think we could generalize and say that our younger generations need everything to be online um, because they are those collaborators and they do know how to have those conversations. Um, but they'll probably be like, just tell me what I need to know in maybe this online format, give me the basics, and then where's my avenue and opportunity to be able to ask questions and collaborate and figure out like, how does this, how does this actually apply to me here? And yeah, and, and you know, also keeping in mind that you want to keep everybody else engaged as well. Um, yes. And, and that might take some adjustment from, you know, those older workers who are used to the, you know, multiple modes of learning, um, mm -hmm. at least in the, on the work, uh, you know, at work anyway. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, you mentioned sort of that, 
you know, uh, constant upgrade mode. Um, How should managers, you know, sort of uh, focus, you know, on those younger workers in terms of, you know, retention? Because obviously Mm -hmm. that's a, you know, it's a fear is that you're going to have somebody come in, you know, you, you, you train them, they, they do really well, and then they're gone in a year or two, and you've got to start all over again. How do you, how do you kind of, you know, sort of manage that and, uh, I guess, you know, uh, deal with the potential of, of somebody leaving after you've kind of taught them everything they need to know? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I think, I think for one thing, it would be important for an organization to start by asking themselves, what does retention mean for them? And how would they define it in their organization? Meaning, like, what is reasonable to expect a career to look like? You know, like, is it like based on the investment that you're making where, you know, wherever that place of employment is, what is reasonable for retention? You know, where is your I mean, you could you could make it mathematical, right? Like, what's your break even point where you're not you're not, you know, like this is reasonable to invest in this person and not lose them you know, in two years, in one year, in three years, you know, whatever it is. So I guess asking the question is like, what is the expectation for retention here? Knowing that people aren't going to do what you talked about, you know, work for 30 years somewhere and hope they can collect a pension, <laughs> which isn't going to happen. Right. And and so, you know, from, from there, for Gen Z specifically, I guess I'd consider what um, what we we're talking about insurance, you know, in terms of ensuring that they can see their career path and how they're progressing so that they don't experience burnout by feeling stuck or that they're not progressing. And so I guess I think it's being proactive and getting in front of showing like, here's, you know, here's this career that you're in and here are the steps and stages where we're going to invest in you, we're going to upskill you and here's where you could go. Yeah, I mean, seems like, a, you know, a smart way to do it, just kind of spell it out and sort of, you know, instead of just saying, you know, this is what you're supposed to do, do it. And you know, we'll talk about advancement yeah. later. Um, yeah. You know, there may not be a later if somebody feels like they're being overlooked or, you know, kind of ignored or, uh, you know, just not being, uh, I guess, prepared for something more than just what, you know, entry level kind of position. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, And on the other end, you've got, you know, folks, you know, who have been with your company for 15, 20, 25, 30 years with a ton of institutional knowledge. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, with, you know, I think, Post-pandemic, a lot of people decided just not to go back to work uh, after, you know, being in long careers. And, uh, you know, I'm sure people are kind of considering it, you know, now. But, you know, how do you prevent the loss of that institutional knowledge, you know, while you still have those workers in-house? Right. Well, you know, kind of going back to, to where we started in our conversation about you and I as being Gen Xers being called the sandwich generation, and it's really not for anything. So we, we, we have had the great opportunity to have learned from and were onboarded by and supervised by the baby boomers. Mm-hmm. And, and now we are also working with this millennial generation that has challenged many of us Gen Xers to be collaborative in ways that we're like, eh, you know, we'd rather do it on our own. And, you know, so we had this great opportunity to, to, you know, to, to learn from 
a different generation and now collaborate and be challenged and grow um, from millennials. And we all know that there's not enough of us Gen Xers to replace the boomers. And so we know it has to be a combo of us Gen Xers and the millennials to be able to get that work done. But I think about um, the Gen X generation, our generation as being that generational translator in an organization um, for us to be able to share our ga gained wisdom with those generations that are in the workplace now and that are coming into the workplace, if you can convince us it's worth our time to do it, right? And so I, I think that's I think that's really important. I think um, Gen X really, really holds a lot of that institutional knowledge to be able to be that translator to the next generation. And maybe we do that through mentorship programs. Right, I was just know? gonna mention that, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. you know, instead of saying, you know, you must <laughs> share your right. wisdom, you know, make it a, a, a collaborative thing, like, you know, mm -hmm. which obviously the younger generations already, you know, understand um, and, and kind of, uh, you know, have them work together to, to you know, uh, and, and and I think for the for the Gen X worker, you know, it's, a, I think it's a, being a mentor is, a, you know, a pretty cool thing. It's not like it's, you know, I would hope it wouldn't be seen as, uh, you know, being saddled with something, you know, mm -hmm. uh, being able to kind of, you know, obviously provide help to a, to a younger worker. Um, but, but it seems like a great idea. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's nice to be asked about that. And, you know, I, you may have this experience too. There are people that I mentor from time to time, some people that are episodic, you know, that like, Jill, can I ask you this question? Like, how would you navigate this? And some more that are, that are um, ongoing and longer term. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, I guess every case is different, right? I mean, depending on the person that you're working with, mm -hmm. but uh, it, it does seem like a, a good way. So I guess, would you, would you like, you know, if you were sort of, uh, overseeing it, would you kind of team specific people up together or how would you, uh, how would you kind of, coordinate that yeah i mean i think i think that would be a excellent way to do it and maybe you do you know a cross cross generational group right like if you actually have all four generations represented in your workplace wouldn't that be an interesting yeah um thing to do is put all four together and you know start out talking just talking about you know like what is it that shaped you you know like what do you value in work, what's your communication style? And how do you prefer to get feedback? Or what's your work ethic? And what does that, you know, what does that mean for you? And how does it show up for you where where one generation might say, you know, it's putting in the time, and where another might say, you know, it's about results. It's about results. And, you know, what does empowerment look like? And what is like, you know, some people might think about micromanagement versus other people and younger generations who are like, where's the roadmap here? What's the, what are the stopping, you know, what are the guides, you know, where are the guardrails for me to work with and, and what motivates, you know, what motivates each, each generation to do their work? You know, is it, is it, is it praised publicly? Is it being able to know that I'm being invested in as an employee? You know, what, what motivates you? And I guess, you know, as the manager, it's incumbent on upon you to to know how those individuals will react to, you know, because you can't sort of treat everybody exactly the same way because, mm -hmm. you know, one person might 
uh, bristle at one thing and another person might be you know looking for something entirely different so you have to kind of know who you're dealing with when you're talking to them too right absolutely absolutely um i mean and and you know it, it it's challenging but i would think you know if you can kind of um you know get things get the ball rolling i think it would be really rewarding long term for the company just to have you know have people with all those different skills and and have them working together for the yeah. company right and you know for people who are listening and are thinking like you know like how could i start something like this and and maybe start small you know many people have safety committees right and your safety committees are made up likely of people from different generations and maybe you start you start with an experiment in that regard you know like let's start with the safety committee and see what we can what we can learn about um our lived experiences and what makes us unique and how can we share um and get better and learn from one another in the you know in in the things that we're trying to accomplish with ehs um and, and you know I, I guess is in terms of you know we were talking about sort of trying to figure out you know, certain mathematically, you know, what's, what's, uh, you know, I guess what your training will get you, you know, in, ter in terms of, um, you know, longevity for an employee, I, I guess it's kind of, you know, you can't really count on it being much more than a couple of years, right? I mean, it's, that's just sort of the nature of the business. I mean, you have to kind of, you can't right. be like, oh, no, we're, you know, we have to have people who stay here for at least five years, or, you know, because that's not going to happen. Right. You know, and I think I think that's part of of uh, working with your HR departments. Mm -hmm. I know that um, there are there are HR departments that ask right in interviews, like, how long do you see yourself staying at a job? And like, and just like ask, right, you know, right from the from the from the get go. And um, the younger generations are going to be honest in their answer, because they're like, well, why would I say anything other than, you know, yeah, I'm going to, you know, probably do this about three years if I get this job or five years or, you know, you'll, I'm sure you'll have outliers, right? Yeah. But, I mean, I'll tell you what, when I was that age and people would ask me that, I, I wasn't going to promise I was going to stay anywhere, no. now, you know, because why would you do right. that? So, right, right, right. And Gen Xers were like, I don't know if I can trust you yet, so I'm not even going to answer that question. <laughs> I wasn't that bad. But <laughs> <laughs> Prove to me this is a good place to work, and then I'll well, let you yeah, know. That <laughs> is that, that's yeah. our generation, right? Yeah. I think that's still the case. And, you know, I mean, I, I think, like, you know, that's where that sort of psychological safety part comes in, too. Like, you know, I'm sure, like, if uh, a Gen Z person, you know, is at a company and feels like it's not, you know, the right place for them, they're not going to wait around and hope things get better. They're going to be out of there. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, our, um, when I think about my, my child, I was talking about interviewed for a job in his um, field of study um, last summer. And it was uh, an engineering firm that had like beautiful things to say on their website beautiful things to say on their website about environmental social governance. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was reading about it and I'm like, wow, this is really impressive. And so I asked my child, I said, you know, did, did you read this stuff about their ESG initiatives? And, and he said, yes. And he said, but that's just, that's just what they put on the website. <laughs> uh -huh. And he said, so in my interview, I'm going to ask about those things. And what really? does it look like? What does it look like here? You know, and you and I, Jay, 
would likely have never done that in a job interview. You know, when you get to the awkward part of the interview and they say, do you have any questions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we're like, uh, what can I say that's not going to mess up this exactly. interview? Versus versus the Gen Zers who are like, um, you know, prove this to me. And I saw this and I read this. Now tell me how that actually works in this organization. Because I will say at least like, you know, 10, 20 years ago, they didn't want you to ask any more questions. That was just a right. formality. Right. And if you did, you annoyed them. So Right, right. Like when 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 could I possibly expect to hear back from you? <laughs> you know? yeah, exactly. Was it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean I, I feel like we're at a really interesting point, you know, with the generations. You know, as we mentioned, um, you know, the baby boomers are, you know, approaching that kind of retirement age, whatever that age may be, it seems like it's, uh, you know, it's, it's expanding now, but, um, you know, and then you've got, you know, more and more young people in the market every year. So it's, um, you know, I think it's a, a challenge for EHS managers and HR managers to kind of, you know, navigate that and to, you know, get the right people together, um, you know, in your company. Yeah, to build to build a strong uh, a strong and sustainable uh, workforce. Yeah, and and you know when we think about you know as EHS professionals, you know if for 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 companies whose interest is kind of having like compliance pots simmering on the stove and that's kind of the baseline, um, that's not going to be enough to retain employees anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think it's I think it's important for us as EHS professionals to obviously do do more than that and i know that so many of us that's that's what we are doing but it's also about reaching cross-functionally uh, within your organization into hr into operations even into finance and finding ways like how can we collaborate to work on continually upskilling and educating the workforce that we have whether it's because we need to bring them bring them up from that historical knowledge that the boomers are, are leaving and, and finding the Gen Xers to, to be those translators. And, and at the same time, like, how are we gonna keep these employees understanding that we value them here and that we're gonna prove it and show it and we're gonna continue to, to upskill them in the ways that they're, you know, maybe being able to have um, interpersonal conversations or best ways to, mm -hmm run a meeting or how to how to manage people you know they are the next the next generation that's going to be taking those things over so why not skill them now you know versus you know hey guess what you've been here for this many years you're a boss now you know? yeah right yeah <laughs> right yeah. start start training them early yeah right yeah. well jill great thoughts thank you so much for joining me today well, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. It's it's been a, it's been a fun conversation, Jay. Yeah. That wraps up episode 147 of EHS on Tap. You can find more information about the show and listen to on-demand episodes at ehsdailyadvisor.blr.com. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time.